Hey everyone, welcome to Show Me the Meaning, Wisecracks Movie Podcast. Show me my wife! (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I had to. Yeah, Uh, I'm your host Alec. Uh, Jared is out of town, but we'll be back soon, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey film fans, what's up? Austin. Hey. And Greg. Very nice. Oh yeah. Very nice. (laughs) Uh, so, after a contentious Twitter poll, Borat America for Make Benefit Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan got 45% of the vote. So, by popular <laughs> demand, that is what we're covering today. Hell yeah. For once, I agree with the people. <laughs> the The other options were they live in office space. Maybe, maybe we'll do those in the future. What was the first one? Office space and what? And they live. Oh wow! Mm. All good choices. Love office space. Yeah, I mean, if, if you well, guys maybe want, maybe I don't agree with the people. Emails that Jared will have to to read. And I won't. <laughs> but <laughs> um, so before we get into it, I just want to ask everyone's opinion of the movie when it first came out, when they were first exposed to it, and rewatching it now. Alrighty, um, who first? Go for it, Ryan. <laughs> You already started. You Jared ready? usually picks somebody. All right, Sorry. All right. I'm, <laughs> I'm learning. So, I know. I know. <laughs> I'm fucking with you. Um, yeah, the first time I saw this, my mind was completely blown. I uh, uh, I, I, I didn't... I was introduced through Borat. I, I actually watched all the Ali G Show episodes at my friend Brian Vernon's house one day, and I never... I don't think my stomach had hurt from laughing that hard before. Because I, it, I, and I, and and if you can believe this, I went through the entire series not realizing that all of them were Sacha Baron Cohen. If that, if, seriously, I I watched the show and I thought that it was three different amazing comedians. And it wasn't until like way later that I would go, wait a minute, wow. and it all like really dawned on me about how just how brilliant this is. Uh, his thing, and I also I'd never seen anyone do what he did before. I'd never seen anyone f- fuck with people in character in a real interview live setting. So mm-hmm. it really was kind of a almost a new genre of film to, to me. It's like a meta mockumentary, mm-hmm. right? You know, there it's like a mockumentary in real life. Um, but yeah, it's incredible, and also it's directed by Larry Charles, an amazing ri- Seinfeld writer. He's only made a couple movies, not but... related to Larry, different Larry, not Larry David, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> different guy. Um, uh, but yeah, this movie blew my mind the first time I saw it. When, it. when I was in theaters, it just, every scene is hysterical. The reactions they get are priceless. The, the, the story arc is so awesome for being such a weird and kind of loosely told story. Like, do you mean, you the, know, the, you, do you mean that it has a story arc is awesome? Yeah, it does have a story arc. arc. I, I, awesome. Just the fact that it, that, 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 that it does have one and that it works and that you're with it. And it is kind of a hero's journey of a sorts <laughs> told through this you know weird new medium i would say and so yeah i i really respect the hell out of this movie i think that sasha baron cohen has fallen off a little bit like although okay here's the thing i hated the dictator one of my least favorite movies of all time and then same with one of his other movies like the the brothers gribsby or whatever i have not seen who is america i know sparky sweets here is a huge fan and and, uh, uh 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 and so i'm yeah, I'm excited to see it. But anyway, uh, that's all my all I have to say about Borat right now. What do y'all What do y'all have to say? Correct. And this screening was this um, is good. I liked it when it first came out. I mean, I was like, um, it was like 2006, right? And when it first came out, a lot of people were talking about it. When I first saw it, you know, I was always like, "What's the hype about this?" I saw it. I watched all the Ali G shit, 
and I liked him. I thought he was funny. I liked what he was doing. I like him fucking with people within characters. And then I saw this, and I'm like, wow, wow, this dude really hates America. <laughs> and I'm like, and I fuckles with it. I I I, I get down with it. And um, and I, a little bit of me was like, is this fake? Is he is is this is this this is this fake? And I'm like, no, this can't be fake. Like some of it's some of it's obviously fake, but a lot of it's really real. And um, reactions, yeah, are, just are real. exactly. But you know how he puts it in, even how he puts it in context with stuff is just great. And I became a, a big fan of Sasha. Um, I like Borat, but when this is um, Who Is America came out, oh my god. Like what he's doing right now, I feel like the Ali G and Borat was was almost like I don't want to say amateur, for what he's doing right now, this is like like I mean this is life changing shit he's doing. How he's fucking with politicians, American politics. I mean it's it's beautiful. Um, but yeah, this movie was great. It just it really took me back to everybody saying very nice and take my wife and I hated that so much. But that's how you know like Chappelle would uh, you know bitch and you know like anything that anything that's so popular everybody's gonna do it. And I hated that aspect of it. But uh, yeah, this movie's great and you know Sasha's awesome. That's it. Austin. Yeah, I f- fuck man. I don't remember the first time I saw this film, but it was the same sort of thing as that everyone is saying. You know, I saw it. There was all this hype around it, and I laughed fucking crazy hard. And I've seen it probably a couple times since then. But it had been, it had been a few years since I'd since I'd seen it or even really thought about it. Because like Greg said, I remember everyone when you would be out would inevitably in a night would be like very nice, and I'd be like Jesus mm-hmm. man. Shut. <laughs> it was like when Rick James, when everyone was doing Rick exactly. James, bitch. I was be like, ugh. Fuck, man! I wanted to shoot frat boys everywhere I went because they just wouldn't stop with that shit. But and now, now we've got pickle Rick. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but now I'm kind of okay with it again because it isn't as annoying because it's not as constant. Um, so I don't know. Revisiting the film was kind of refreshing. I laughed. I thought it was funny. It's cringy. He makes you feel uncomfortable. I literally had to look away because I'm just like Jesus, man. Just <laughs> awkward human interactions are so you know just visceral in this film. But, um, yeah, it's, I don't even know how to say it. Like, how do you make a value judgment on a film that I think it defies value judgment? It's just fucking supposed to make you feel. And, and I think it makes me feel very uncomfortable and it provokes a little bit of thought. I don't really think there's much else to it. I'll see it again. It's enjoyable. But I don't think that you could say it's good or bad or whatever. I just, I don't know. It's like a totally subjective, visceral, emotional feel. Type of film. I will objectively say it is good. (laughs) (laughs) I I think I'm the only one whose opinion changed a little bit. So when I first saw it in high school, I loved it. I got it on DVD. I just remember laughing hysterically. And now I watched it. It's really split. Half of it I really, really love and half of it kind of falls flat for me. And I think like, for instance, when I was in high school, I'm Jewish and I love me a good old Jew joke. So all that shit I was just cracking up at. And now I'm like, meh, like, you know, it's kind of like played out and old and, you know, some right. other stuff going on. Uh, but what I really, really love in this. Wait, is... wait, wait, Alec, is it problematic? No. Well, no, it. I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. Sound effect. It. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What, like. I've noticed a trend like where I'm laughing at Jew jokes as a Jew and I've had friends laughing at those same jokes who aren't necessarily Jewish. But then I realized like I was on one side of the joke and they were on the other. And that's made me deeply uncomfortable. It, it didn't make um, if that if that makes sense. But mm-hmm. uh, totally, totally makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so 
the stuff I do love is that when he, and we can get in this later, when he's making an ass of himself and the humor isn't necessarily from the character. And the other stuff, I, I respect cringe humor. Cringe humor is great. I love The Office. But like even the first season of The Office, the cringe is too much. And when he's shitting in a bag for that woman, like Austin said, I, I have to look away. I don't know if you meant that scene, but there's so much of that where it just makes me so deeply uncomfortable. Right. <laughs> uh, but I respect him for it because he's really doing that. And I was reading an interview where they just talk about how fearless he is doing literally anything. And that's one of the few things that I could never in a million years imagine myself doing is just having the balls to do all that. So... I still like the movie. I still really respect what he's doing. I love Who's America. Uh, the Ali G show also makes me cringe too hard. I never liked it. But that being said, uh, I want to get into a quick recap. Not that necessarily that this movie needs one. Kazakh reporter Borat Sagdiev ventures to America with pr- producer Azamat Bagatov on an educational mission. He quickly discovers Baywatch on American TV, falls in love with Pamela Anderson, and vows to make her his bride. As he travels across the country, he visits different cross-sections of American society. But things go south as Borat catches Azamat, pleasuring himself with his prized Baywatch magazine. He also discovers Pamela Anderson is not a virgin, finds Jesus, forgives Pamela, and attempts to kidnap her at a signing in California. He returns to Kazakhstan with his true love, Linnell, and everyone lives happily ever after. Fun fact, Linnell is one of the few other actors in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Linnell, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if you go on our IMDb, she's best known for being an extra, not an extra, she's like a background actor in The Rock. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, <laughs> I want to ask all of you, let's start with Austin, what is the best and worst segment in this movie? Oh, Jesus. Um, I mean, okay, so, maybe the most audacious for me, especially at the moment, just because of certain cultural sensitivities and conversations that are going on, is the meeting with the feminists. <laughs> And we t- we talked about <laughs> this a little bit before Love we started it. recording, and Greg was like, "What does he say? Does he call her cupcake? He calls her pussycat. He calls her so all slow down pussycat. I think he calls her Smile sweetie, for me, pussycat. pussycat. I mean, that's one of those scenes where I'm just like, Jesus, man. And I wonder. So in 2006, the the cultural moment wasn't as compressed in America as it is now. So I wonder at the moment if he were to try that in 2018, if if there wouldn't be a more sort of like if, if, the, if the other panelists wouldn't have felt more emboldened to get up earlier or if the reactions would have been a little bit more strident or if they would have like fucking slapped him or something. They would have punched him in the face <laughs> you know? now. See, yeah, I, totally. I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like, you know, and, and when you were talking about earlier, uh, Alec, how you didn't, how you thought half of it kind of fell flat for you now. Like I, I definitely was thinking that as I was watching it, I was like – but for me, it it made me a little nostalgic for t- uh, the the time of two thousand and six, where you know, like the, the, what Borat says is incredibly offensive, you know, oh, yeah. objectively offensive. But it is fucking hilarious, and you get where the humor's coming from, right? And like it, you see his intentions, what he's doing. Like the movie's very transparent. But now, yeah, I can see this whole thing going on. You know, like like if this happened today, this movie. It, no one would no one would try to get on his level. They're all just thinking about everyone else's reactions. And then it's like, yeah, people would be outraged. But I think in a and you know, I feel like it, it, back in the day, you could have made all these equally as offensive jokes, you know, and and the reaction, I feel like would have still been like, yeah, that is fucked up. But the 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 
you're well, he's he, he's trying digging into the hypocrisies of other people. You know, you, like, like he's making a point with his comedy. Right. You know, and, and the, really the joke's on him because he's doing the obscene stuff. Mm-hmm. He is the one that is making an ass of himself, and it's the reactions of other people that are you know make the point. But like like today, you would just get mad at him for even trying to do that. Is he, kind of I feel like what would end he, up happening. You know, there, there is. Uh, I was reading an interview, and there's one particular quote which speaks to this scene, but also a lot of them. Uh, Cohen says, I was struck by the patience of some of these members of the upper class who were so keen to appear polite, mm. particularly on camera, that they would never walk Interesting. away. Uh, and then the reporter says, it was a tiny epiphany that would eventually fuel his career. Um, I don't know that that might still be true. I mean, it's cert- I mean, in Who's America, you see some people getting up. Uh, Roy Moore yeah. uh, gets up oh, and yeah. leaves oh. after that. I'm talking about the um, reaction to the piece. I'm not talking about the reactions of the people. Oh. I'm talking about the reactions of, of if Borat came out today. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like. Yeah, it, I don't think that it would have the oh this is hilarious a vibe. It would kind of be like this is problematic and let's write a million different uh, blogs about it. Yeah, is the no. reaction. Yeah, I mean he came out at the right time. Exactly. I mean, but who is America? What he's doing? I mean, people do think it's problem. Some people think it's problematic now. Well, but- he's going after the most powerful. Uh, people. He's not know? only going. He's going after the most powerful people, but he's also going after like just dumb, dim-witted like actors that will do anything to get famous. Which uh, you yeah, know, I need I, to see who is oh, America. Oh man, it's it's great. But um, yeah, I don't want to keep going on that while we. we Austin, I want to hear. I want to hear you have to say Austin about this. Well, you yeah. Too, so I don't know. I'm I'm torn, right? Because you know, I've I've been on this kick lately where I where I said what was it a couple episodes ago? I was like, I just. With idiocracy, I was like, I just want people to be nice to each other. So, this is a film that actually really made me question that as a as a statement because he's not. He's intentionally making people look like fucking idiots. Like that's that's his point. Right. Is he wants to either make people look like idiots, or he's trying to at least create some sort of tension that expose it exposes idiocy elsewhere. Whether it's in like a small minded mentality, like a like a sort of misogynistic mentality in that feminist scene. He's trying to show how stupid it is that people could be like this. Now, maybe he's throwing a little shade at certain parts uh, of the I, world, which is probably why Kazakhstan was really upset about this film for a little bit. <laughs> but the point is is that he's intentionally trying to create these tensions. And that's why, Ryan, what you said a minute ago was so important is he is a performance artist, right? So he's got a fucking point that right. he's driving at. He's not just a nihilist here. It's not like he's just going with no grander scheme that there's no vision of the quote unquote good he has like this this form of this idea that he's aiming towards and that everything that he does kind of derives from that intention to stimulate and to draw people's attention to or to at least expose and so i actually i think that there's something a little bit more sincere in this than i would in a film like idiocracy that is supposed to be doing something similar that's supposed to be deconstructing and unpacking because it's satirical but i think that there's something more profound and maybe it's just because i watched our video on him and commedia dell'arte is something i studied because i grew up in the theater world and so i'm very interested in performance art and the clown the role of the clown and so maybe i have like a profound like i don't know wanky ivory tower respect for sasha baron cohen but i feel like there's something more substantial here so I don't what, know if he's just. I mean, I don't know if if he's really stoking the flame of trying to make people look stupid. I mean, me when neither. He, when they were doing the rodeo, all he was was just there, and that that racist dude was just going off on Muslims, talking about how he hates gay people. I mean, he didn't have to do much. He was just there with his skin <laughs> and his black mustache, and that guy was just going off. You know what I mean? So I, I, I I I think it's less him. I mean, he's he's obviously clearly trying to make them look 
dumb in the edit, but it's not it's not just oh these people are dumb. It's about xenophobia. It's mm -hmm. about foreigners. It's about people's you know these very polite you know society people that how they react to this you know completely foreign exotic crazy person that that isn't of their customs you know so that that's really what he's getting at is is and and and, and how anyone re would react. I'm not saying everyone is going to react like these people in the movie, but he's you know. These people in their everyday lives aren't necessarily these racist oh, no, no, xenophobes, no. and I don't think he's saying that, but he is saying that everyone, this could be in everybody. Totally. If, if you were put in a situation where Borat was in front of you and you <laughs> see, had to give him see, a driving I think test. That it's, I, I, I get what you're saying, and I don't disagree that that's an element of it, but I kind of wonder because the whole thing is, it's called the cultural learnings of America, blah, 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 blah. So it's like, I'm a foreign reporter, I'm going to go to America, and I'm going to learn about what America is. And what is America? America's racist, at least in parts, mm -hmm. right? So he goes to a certain part because he wants to expose a certain underbelly of what is, rather than just like everyone could be this way in some sort of like nice liberal, like, hey, check yourself, man, like make sure you're, you check your privilege. I don't think that's what the film is. It's, it's more like, yo, there's some real deep-seated racist shit in America. And this makes up the actual complexity or the um, – what's the word I'm looking for? The complexion of the country that if you go to the south, for example, or if you go to these rodeo types of events, you go to certain areas, they are fucking racist. And I think he's intentionally trying to expose well, that. But, I mean, yeah, the, 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 I think it's sprinkled in. There's the people, there's the guy going off on Muslims, mm -hmm. you know, who is, yeah, the racist underbelly of America, you know, that's still hanging on from the old days. And then there's the average everyday people who also kind of come off as, 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 you know, morons. Mm -hmm. but, and, and I think he kind of fucks with everyone. Oh, yeah. He's an equal opportunity offender. Totally. Yeah. So, so, Ryan, I want to, I want to kind of get back to what you were saying earlier because I think, you can kind of juxtapose two scenes together. You can you've got the feminist one where he's calling them pussycat and they're getting angry, and then you have the one with the frat boys in the, in the van. Uh, is that an RV? Yeah, yeah. yeah, in the van. The University of Tennessee uh, ones. And, and to me, Shout out. This is kind of an encapsulation of what kind of humor is it? Is that humor acceptable today? I think there's kind of three jokes that could happen in this situation when Borat is being sexist, homophobic, whatever. So. You have the situation in Feminist where he's making an ass of himself in Sasha Baron Cohen's mind. And then we're kind of laughing at him. Personally, I'm like cringing. And that's like cringe humor, uh, which is a thing in itself that he is such like uh, a brutish asshole with, with these, these women. Then essentially he's playing the same character, making similar jokes in the van. To me, that seems funny because... He just needs to prompt those frat boys enough to be like, oh, yeah, I don't respect women or, yeah, slavery should still exist in this country. Uh, and that, I think, is funny for a different reason because he's allowing people to make an ass of themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think the third kind of thing, and it's the one thing that I think speaks to your point that people uh, wouldn't think it's uh, funny anymore, is that a third possibility is people are laughing at either of them uh, because they see – say Borat's sexist humor and they're like, oh yeah, like fuck women. Ha ha ha. That's funny. And, and uh, Sacha Baron Cohen has said in, in interviews that even like his persona as a Kazakhstan uh, as sorry, a Kazakhstani, that people can appreciate that this person doesn't exist, that people who are like this are terrible. Uh, but I think there's been lots of things like this. Like Stephen Colbert is a great example where people don't see through that. And they're just like, yeah, I, I relate to this guy. And I think <laughs> that is like the voice in the back of my head. And I'm not 
fully on board because I still love this movie, but that's just my thought. And I think that that is a, uh, no offense, Alec, but a, a dangerous thought to go down. Like, because <laughs> like, I, I feel like more and more people think that. And I think that that's such a small minority of people that actually buy in. You know, it's like the, the whole, like people that love Fight Club so much that they take it, like they don't get the satirical part about it. That kind but of I thing. I feel like that's, that's such a small. Of, I guess what I'm saying is we're, we're arguing about numbers. You think it's a small minority. And I think, I it's, think it's a small minority. And, and but, but more importantly, it's a small enough minority that they, that we shouldn't. Even bring it up because just to bring it vocalize. I'm not saying we just shouldn't talk about it. But I'm just saying that 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 people, because everyone is worried that everyone's taking it seriously, then that makes the atmosphere like basically no one has any fun anymore because <laughs> they're like, oh, well, I'm I'm worried that I want to laugh at this. I see what Chris Rock is saying in his routine, but if I laugh at this, then that might give some other asshole permission that actually you know is going to go, go use the N word and, yeah. and doesn't get the comedy. So therefore, I shouldn't laugh at this joke. And I think that that is just poison and that we should just all realize that there are morons until the beginning of time from the end of time and that like yeah let's help them out as much as possible but don't censor yourself because don't, of them don't stop having fun for stupid right <laughs> i mean do you think that the difference boils down to the fact I'm getting myself... i was trying to get at it earlier and i'm not really sure how to articulate it off the cuff right now um but it's that if you have a vision of like the good or you have like a broader vision of something that matters then it's not just this this nihilism that comes out of nowhere that's ungrounded. So like with with Cohen's comedy, he's intentionally trying to make a point. Like his new show, This Is America, he's intentionally trying to expose America? the identity America? of America. The I mean, and he doesn't just interview people that he can mock. He tries to entrap Bernie Sanders. Now he throws him softballs compared to what he does with the other people, but he still, <laughs> he clearly has some sort of meat that he's sinking his teeth into in this. And and I think maybe if you have that, like if your comedy, like Dave Chappelle's comedy that is racially charged and culturally aware, but at the same time there's a poignancy to it because he's trying to drive at something. Does that change it? Does that make it different than if it's just a person throwing things around but that it's based on a – like maybe a foundation, but it's a, a foundation of sand rather than a foundation of rock to use a biblical metaphor? I think – I think it does change it. I think yeah, it, some people do it better than others. Totally. I, I think um, it's it's just a point at the end of it. Um, it's, I, I mean, I can't stop talking about it, but, I mean, in Who is America, in the beginning of it, it's like a native Hopi, Hopi tribe chanting <laughs> right. in, the, in the beginning of it. You know what I mean? So that just, and if you don't know that, like it's, you know, there's going to be dumb people that don't know who, who, who was chanting in that. I mean, Putting that tribe in the beginning of that just says so much about what he's talking mm -hmm. about. I, I, I mean, I, I love what Sasha's doing. Um, and you know, for the people that think that those characters are real, woo, uh, <laughs> don't let them buy a gun. But um, but for everybody else that knows what he's doing and knows that what he's trying to get at in the end and show how these people are dumb as fuck, but these also are America's leaders. You know, so um, yeah, I, I think what he's doing is genius. And um, I love what he did in, in, uh, in Borat, too. Even if he, some of it got muddled up, you know what I mean? But, I mean, that's comedy. Sometimes it's not going to be pure and, and sweet. But when you got that pure, like when he went to the hood, when he went to, like, the black hood in Atlanta, and, like, it was all, like, dun, dun, dun. He tried to make it seem all scary yeah. and shit. And then he went over there, and the guy's like, what the fuck is up with you? And then he complimented he one he of like them. Michael and Jackson all the black whatever. dudes was like, 
yeah, and all the all the black dudes just they, their shoulders went down, and it was like, oh shit! And they taught them how to dress, and then Sasha goes to that fancy ass hotel. It is, you know, I, I just love the beauty of like moments like that, and in, uh, in the movie, and um, and at the end when they're uh, at that that church, uh, and he's cracking up jokes, and you know, it's um, it's America. Yeah. We're fucked there up. is something so I think it's Walter Benjamin that talks about this idea of juxtaposition and I can't remember there was this there was an amazing art gallery where like this artist went in and rearranged a bunch of stuff I, I think it was after hours I don't remember maybe it was intentional I can't remember but he basically he put like a KKK hood and a baby stroller and he like took these images that we don't associate with one another and he brought them together right he like juxtaposed these things but it was like a like a synthetic juxtaposition where he brought them together. And you kind of get that in this, right? You get this dude who's from a foreign land, and this is where a lot of the humor comes from, this clash of cultures. He comes in, and he's he's got a, a clear identity. He's from a different time, from a different era. You know, we might say he's small-minded, outdated, whatever. And he comes in, and he's encountering all of these these foreign or strange elements. And, and there's a lot of interesting humor in that. And then, of course, when he tries to dress like the dudes from the hood, he goes into that hotel. You're like, wait, sh- should I feel uncomfortable? Is this like today people would be like cultural appropriation, you know? But there's something that he's kind of exploring there. And and I find the tension to be funny and interesting, you know? Yeah, and yeah. profound. Yeah, totally. I uh, and about the artifice of what he does, like, I will say as 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 much of a genius as I think he is, like just as a filmmaker and editor you know he's he, he totally cheats in getting his you know uh, anybody in like i said before in those situations would not get up and leave it, it, you know it'd be very something would have to go pretty off for you to actually get up and leave so i feel bad for a lot of people in his movies <laughs> i really do and who is america you know all the people like like uh uh just because, yeah, they're entrapped, and there's and it, they just are at the wrong place at the wrong time. And they've already signed the contract. The the day. <laughs> it's interesting, though, though, in who is – and maybe this is a culture shift, how many people in Who's America get up and leave? And he shows it like um, – God, who's, there's like a veteran news. Is it a lot? Uh, Bernie then, leaves. Roy leaves. At least four people leave, and we're not even done with the season yet. Yeah, and I maybe it's just like – I think people are attuned to kind of like hyper partisans attacks and sort of like gotcha moments and all that stuff. So they're like, well, fuck, like I'm getting out of here at the same time uh, when they <laughs> yeah. approach. I, I don't know if he's a senator or congressman who's like, well, you, you just want to show up with a statement and expect me to read it. The one about arming toddlers. Uh, and then yeah. all these congressmen <laughs> do read it. By the way, yeah. the person who refused to read it was a policy debater. Shout out to policy debate, mm-hmm. uh, who probably learned to read things in debate. But um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's interesting. I realized that we didn't finish the best worst segment because we got into an interesting conversation. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> My best segment is uh, uh, I honestly just love the when he first gets to New York and he's wandering around just scaring everybody oh on the street God, so <laughs> and, and everybody's talking from uh, uh, from Midnight Cowboys right. plan. It's just and they such had the a shot funny too. juxtaposition. The Midnight Cowboys shot with him uh, kind of walking <laughs> yeah. towards the yeah, camera. Yeah, like the, the rack focus. Yeah. yeah, in the crowd. Yeah, uh, that that really gets me every time. Um, I don't know. What's your favorite? Oh, I mean, Greg? I like the I like the shot when he's taking a shit on uh, Trump's uh, hotel. It says <laughs> Donald Trump. Yeah, that's in the same sequence. Uh, and the yeah. woman's like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, yeah. And then he's chasing after that dude. And I, and I love the feminist part. And the, 
And I like the part when he was when he's talking to the. I guess it's a congressman. It's a black congressman. He calls him Chocolate Face. <laughs> no makeup. And um, and he had like a gay scene. And like the dude was like, uh, yeah, I think you had uh, a time with a homosexual community. And uh, he was like, <laughs> what? And funny. it was just, yeah. Yeah, yeah the man who hilarious. tried to put the, the fist in his anus. It's <laughs> <laughs> like my anus was sore. And, uh, yeah, and the rodeo. I mean, the fucking rodeo. The rodeo's my. Yeah. He's doing the Kazakhstan. Oh, it's great. He's like, do you guys want to take the souls out of <laughs> Saudi Arabia and Iraq? And the guy was like, fuck yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah it's and that's may, not may that long George ago. Bush drink the blood of every man, blood. woman, and child in Iraq. Like, 2006, yeah. people. 2006. Um, I also love the New York scene where the guy uh, says, "He oh, he just goes up to him and says, what is your name? He's like, my name is Mind Your Own Fucking Business. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. That's in the subway. Uh, yeah, when the rooster is going everywhere. <laughs> Fucking New York, man. It's only in New York that you get that reaction. I love it. <laughs> that's real. I, I, with now, I saw this before I lived in New York, but now I, I would imagine nine out of 10 people just look down and ignore him because that's most people's strategy. But it's that old school New Yorker who's like, my name is, you know, mind your own fucking business. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, it is good. I really like the, uh, just for sheer cringiness and awkwardness, and I wonder what people were thinking. The scene when he puts a bag over Pamela Anderson's head because, like, clearly she's. In on she this. was totally but in on it. But everybody else, yeah. they're probably like, what the fuck, like crazy psycho fan, you know? And chaos yeah. ensues. So I would imagine that if, if that the audience that were that, that were there, they were not in on the gag at all. And so that just from a kind of production standpoint to me is fucking hilarious. You know, I wonder if he's ever been like scared, like, you know, people could be packing. I'm surprised nobody's beat the you know? shit out I mean, what? what <laughs> Or yeah. like, what if someone just straight up shot him? You know, like in one of his gags, like like you know, if someone if, if I saw someone take a, a a bag over Pam Anderson's head and I had a a gun, I don't know what I'd do. Mm -hmm. Um, he got sued by those frat guys. You he know? got sued really? by a ton of people. I was researching. This. Oh, did he? Yeah, I wonder how that came out. So I know he got sued by somebody this year. Got dismissed. Uh, Why? So, and there was even an article somewhere, and I didn't understand all of it because I'm not a lawyer, but their contracts were super long. So so they'd have releases for everyone to sign and they were super long and they'd use very vague language. So when people sued mm -hmm. them, they would always get dismissed. Uh, I'm not aware of anyone actually winning a case. Uh, so dismissed, not settled out of court or something. Uh, oh, one thing was settled. It was um, maybe it wasn't settled. They use uh, someone's song unrelated to the filming that there was either a lawsuit or it got settled but that oh, one you can't do that but again the interviews as far as i know nobody's won and i think uh, i was trying to google those frat guys and i think one of them's a lawyer at least it's the lawyer with his name who went to south carolina where they went so i don't know but anyway yeah it's crazy the feminist tried to sue him really yeah <laughs> Here's the thing, though. I mean, like, what, what would you sue him for? Maybe emotional harm? I mean, it couldn't be libel or anything like that because defamation of they, character. They don't make the people look bad. Fraud. It's just there. There. Are, there are laws that are about sort of misleading Deception. people for production purposes. Okay. Uh, and there's specifically language in the contract that like mentions those laws. Yeah. Well, because I mean, because I think uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. I think he went to Oxford or Cambridge, and I believe he has a master's degree. So the dude is pretty intelligent so i feel like he knows what the, and he did that the ali g show for ages in the uk so i think he's he's kind of like hey, intelligent I, enough I to get a good lawyer here. 
Yeah. Um, I, I remembered my actual f- favorite one, and and it's it's funny because honestly, it's 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 funny even independent of the Borat character, and that's that's when he gets the the guy the hotel guy to read the telegram about his wife yeah. getting ki- <laughs> killed by a bear, mm-hmm. you know. Or, <laughs> I wonder if that and, guy was I mean, in on it. <laughs> There, no, there's no way. That reaction looks very genuine. That's why I love it so much. And that's why, like, like that's just such a hilarious situation. And then yeah, it ends with them going, high five. Yeah, because when he says, uh, when Borat says, are you telling me that my wife is dead? The awkwardness, I mean, unless yeah. that guy's the best actor, you can't act. Like, yeah, there's I no mean, way. We know being in, like, the L.A. world, Greg, you know doing acting. It's hard to do genuine emotion and that – that that's hard, and that was perfect. Oh uh, yeah, that was that did, perfect. There's no that way that was fake. <laughs> I yeah. hope he got some gigs after that. <laughs> <laughs> he crushed it, and that bear was awesome. Oh yeah, <laughs> the ice cream scene when the, the bear pops his head out and the kids, yeah, so so funny, so funny. Greg, were there any uh, bits that you didn't like? That I didn't like, not really. That. I mean, no, they're really, I mean, there were some, some bits that I didn't think was as funny, but nothing that I can say that really, like, offended me or anything. I think some of it didn't, like, last. Uh, I'm with you. I mean, I think the the Jewish jokes and, like, the, um, it was it was weird watch. I mean, I like the feminist one, but it was, it was like, when I, when I, because that's probably, like, the, the first scene of when he comes to New York. Uh, I just remember I, I watched it and was just like, like I, it just made me feel a certain way. Like I don't know. Like um, like I was at a comedy show and I heard a dude. I heard a comic say the f word, and I'm not talking about fuck. <laughs> and uh, and it's like when you hear that word again. Like I used to hear that word all the mm. time, yeah. and I don't hear it as much anymore. And then it was just like wow. And it makes me think like man, I used to hear that shit like 50 times a mm. day. And now I never hear it, and that's how like watching that feminist scene made me like feel a little bit like, wow, okay, you like he's about doing the this. Old creepy guys who constantly would talk like that in our childhood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just you know it just made me feel a certain way. I didn't really, it didn't like, I didn't like anything. It just you know certain parts just like uh, didn't hit as hard for me as it did back in the day. Did you guys really yeah. see? I didn't grow up in an environment where the f word was used because. I grew up in the theater, and my mom's a designer, so I was always immersed in the gay community. So it's like I was just – that just wasn't a thing. And then also talking with women that way, maybe again, I don't know. Maybe it was just my weird anecdotal experience, but I don't remember being around – and maybe I've blocked it out, but I don't remember being around dudes that referred to women as pussycat or cupcake or anything like that. I think it's because you're a coastal elite, Austin. Oh, that must be a fucking (laughs) – yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I I grew up mostly in the the Northeast, and all all of that's very familiar to me. Oh uh, uh, yeah, sounds familiar to Greg. Uh, I don't know if it's oh, familiar totally. to you, Ryan. Yeah, dude, it's the South. <laughs> people, people, are, some people are assholes. Like, what can you say? I mean, but uh, like I like I said before, there are assholes everywhere. There totally. will be till the beginning totally. of t- end of time. But we've made progress because I never. I mean, I never hear that word yeah. anymore. That is true. I, I rarely never... hear it, and then when you do, it is like you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa who the, what, what the yeah. fuck? Yeah. yeah, it was weird when I when I first moved to the UK. They refer to cigarettes as fags, and in Ireland too. And yeah. so I'd be like, I'm going to go out mm-hmm. for a fag. And well, that's what the kids would always that say, word, too. And then you, it just becomes a part of your vocabulary. Same with the C word, which is a word that we don't say in America. But and in Scotland and now in Australia, the word cunt is just a good word. Like you call your buddies. Ah, he's a good cunt. 
you know? Like, yeah, that's just a phrase that's that used all the time. Away. And in Scotland, they use, they, they swear like it's poetry, man. So it, it is, I remember my ears were jarred when I, when I heard these words that I was like, those are words you don't say, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Ryan, was there anything about the movie that fell flat for you or you just uniformly loved it? Like I said, it, it, not really. Uh, it made me mis- nostalgic. <laughs> I, I, I. No, the the only the only gag I don't think that really works for me is the is is him uh, putting uh, Pamela Anderson in a bag at the end. Yeah, like I can see big climax. That. Just because it just physically, like I literally remember the first time I saw it, I was kind of confused about what was even happening because it kind of comes out of nowhere, right? You know, uh, but so yeah, just from a comedic point of view of that. But in terms of like like a cultural or whatever point of view no i it, i think this is one of the few perfect films in that regard wasn't that the big issue when that movie came out like him putting that bag over her head like i remember that like being like one of the huge like huge issues of the movie people didn't like that in, part in what really? way yeah, Do you yeah. I, remember, I don't like, remember that. people thought it was just uh they didn't like pam getting attacked like that mm. they didn't know if she was into it they didn't know if she was on mm. with that scene they thought it was inappropriate I just remember people. T- I remember people talking about. Have you seen Borat? Very nice, and I don't like that part where he did with Pam at the end, and that that was it. The, the big thing that, like, in terms of news wise, that I remember from this was the the rodeo scene. Yeah, yeah. you course. know, yeah. everyone talked about that and how fucked up that was. <laughs> you know, but yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. I mean, the oh, fact beautiful. that he <laughs> got away with that in a way, perfect. <laughs> I mean, there is something I interesting in the whole Pamela Anderson narrative with this idea of like romance and desire and you know i mean so he's portraying this guy who comes from a village who has a wife that he doesn't like i guess we can assume that either it was like probably some sort of arranged marriage or at least like a sort of lowest common denominator common denominator type of decision i I think i think he implies that she was attractive and is now no longer okay is that right i think he says that to i think he says that to the frat guys or something like that okay he's also probably he's also in some kind of relationship with his sister uh, you know, whatever they just bang because that's just what you do apparently. Number four, in number Kazakhstan. four, right? Number four, uh, and she's the number what? Number four number prostitute four. in Kazakhstan. Number four yeah, prostitute. Number four. <laughs> um, but there's something interesting in this idea of him getting caught up in the Western idea of romance and desire, and like the image of Pamela running right, and this this fantasy that he chases after that he needs to get, and then of course when he finds out that she's, uh, what does he say that she's tainted when he finds out that she has the sex tape or whatever, he's like I didn't yeah, know that yeah. she was tainted when he's on the on the RV with the dudes. Um, this idea again of of how women are treated and how they're viewed under certain conditions that they're like this object of desire and that they're supposed to be pure and that they're an object to be consumed and that he has this right to to have uh, her be untainted or whatever and he chases after and the image gets gets fractured but then he's like but that's okay I, you know I, I I will get over it and I'll learn to love you through the struggles or whatever there is something interesting about exploring this idea of con- more contemporary ideas of romance also best celebrity sex tape of all time <laughs> there's there's no other celebrity uh, sex but tape but not that the one that got the person competes. the most famous that one has to go to Kim K for sure yeah of course that- of course but that's why it's so good cuz they did it for the love they didn't do it. I don't know. I have some pretty good deep fakes on my computer that <laughs> I should show you later. 
I'm sure they're good. You know what sucks though for like I feel like Tommy Lee got super famous from that sex tape as well, even though he was already famous. But poor Ray J, man, nobody talks about Ray J anymore from his sex tape with Kim. I don't K. even know yeah. who that is. Yeah, like, it's exactly this the one that propelled Kim Kardashian to yeah. fame, right? Uh, Brandy's. Yeah. Now, brother. how shitty is that? That the guy that launched Kim Kardashian to be a multi multi millionaire is known as Brandy's brother. Yeah. Not even, do you think not even get, by his name. Do you think he gets That's royalties? fucked up. Like, there's a, Where's the equality? Oh, there should be. Royalties off the sex tape? There should be. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. Um, Great sex tape, though. I want to talk about... Uh, this, this is something we covered in our Sasha Baron Cohen video, but what I love most about Sasha Baron Cohen in general, and I think it's his best moments, which I mentioned a little bit before, is uh, I think Leo, who wrote that episode, phrased it as... He just gives you enough rope to hang yourself with. And I found mm-hmm. after the fact, after that episode came out, uh, a quote from Sasha Baron Cohen. Bora essentially works as a tool by himself being anti-Semitic. He lets people lower their guard and expose their own prejudice, whether it's anti-Semitism or an acceptance of anti-Semitism. What do you guys, what do you all think of that? That's yeah, totally, totally. spot on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, 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 no matter what the reaction is to him, it is funny. You know, like if you, if you're just, palling around with them you know and trying to get on his level that's funny if you allow it to happen or or most of all if you take part in the same shit he's doing then you're like the ultimate idiot so he the only the person that says sorry i'm out of here you know and i'm sure they edit all those scenes out yep, yep. you know so yeah it's a gold mine yeah. from a character and 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 it stands apart from his other characters too there's a reason he's more popular i feel like than ali g and, and bruno because the others just don't they're funny in their own way. They also kind of, but 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 there's not that just crass foundation of true offensiveness, you know, yeah. that comes out of Borat's mouth. Like that that then you know, Ali G is just an idiot, mm-hmm. you know. But he came from you know, um, or London or whatever. And then uh, uh, and then Bruno is just you know basically just a crazy sex pervert freak, you know. Like uh, and so then that provides other reactions for people but i think borat's the real meat and potatoes of, yeah. of getting people's hypocrisies or just how they'd react to you know he's so for, he, he's for, so likable like, like him i think it's just because he's he's uh he's flawed but but very likable yeah oh you yeah know? yeah ali g's very good-natured. cocky yeah, yeah yeah that suit and yeah he's, he's just, a good na- he's like he's like Cartman or something or like any of those kind of just awful people but mm-hmm. if he's just like nice trying to help him be your friend you yeah. know it's like there's no yeah. other he's person like that in pop sincere. culture yeah well yeah, that's what I mean he's though he, he holds yeah. all the same like prejudices and, and stuff but but he does it with like a very nice smiley face and so you don't know how so other normal people don't know how to react because well, there's something like the, the, the whole pussy magnet scene and I think they're playing up on this and this could be offensive maybe in some ways I don't know but is that that other people should know better, but he just doesn't know better yet because he's, you know, yeah, he, he's yeah. just kind of, you know, he's from a different time, a different age, a different era, which is maybe a little bit. So you bit can't blame him. E- you know, ethnocentric he's from the middle of nowhere. Kind of think that, yeah, Americans are the ones, but I think he's kind of exposing that, right? He's playing with that idea. But, but nevertheless, is that oh, right. his character is that, you know, he's just a little backwards. He just doesn't quite, he hasn't caught up to the, the, the Western progress, you know? Um, there's an interesting moment at the dinner party where after calling one of the people retarded uh, and a few other things that I can't really remember, uh, he leaves to go take a shit and the woman's like, you know, I think after a while he could assimilate into being a great American. And I just wonder, is it that like earnestness about him that they're saying that? Or is it, I don't know. It's kind of a weird thing to say after someone. I get, I get an overwhelming, yeah, I get an overwhelming, like 
evangelizing feeling from that scene because the one guy's a pastor. And so maybe I'm front-loading my argument here. But when she says that, I think just the same way that people thought when they came to Australia that the aboriginals weren't humans but that they could save them and turn them into humans, the same way that people thought that mm-hmm. way about uh, indigenous Americans, the same way that people thought that about you know any other uh, non-white European uh, person when colonizers were going to explore the lands, they thought that same thing, that we can save them for Jesus, you know, we can make them better, that culturally we can get them to the right level. And I, that's kind of what I thought from it. And that's why that scene for me is actually the most uncomfortable just because of my sort of religious attachments in past. Mm. And, and I also think uh, with the characters, and we can talk about who's America for a, a little bit, but it's that ability to give them enough rope to hang themselves that for me, not only in Borat makes differentiates the great scenes from the, you know, okay or good scenes, uh, but even in Who, Who's America, I feel like some of the characters speak so well to that and others don't. Like, um, there's the scene, I can't remember his name, but he's the guy who wears the NPR shirt. He's at a conservative's oh, house. Love that guy. And he's saying all this ridiculous shit about letting his wife have sex with a dolphin, all this crazy stuff. And I'm curious, like, to me, I'm like, again, it's the cringe. Uh, and the conservative family, they're you know, they're actually reacting like humans. Like they don't, I don't think they do really anything embarrassing. Same thing with the feminists. I don't think the feminists do anything embarrassing. Uh, or when he interviews Bernie Sanders, like Bernie Sanders is just kind of confused by him. Those mm-hmm. I feel like aren't pure Sasha Baron Cohen or, or the best of Sasha Baron Cohen, because as we say, he's not allowing people to make an ass of themselves. To me, that's the main appeal of him. I don't know if you guys completely, you guys probably completely. No, no, no. I, I, I agree with that one. Um, I, I, but I think showing that also shows how, hey, this isn't everybody. You know, there's some people that actually are smart and they know when not to say something or they know when to walk away. It's the ones where, like, the Sasha's playing that, that rich Russian dude with the white hair <laughs> in Who's America? And the, he has that uh, hot is model he girl. Is he Italian? I'm sorry, Italian, Russia, you know, St. Cologne. Um, <laughs> white people all look the same. It's just whatever. when he's sitting there. <laughs> when she has the girl, the hot model girl, uh, jerking him off underneath the sheet. Oh, yeah. And the contractor is just sitting there. He knows he's jerking him off, but he just wants that sale so bad. He wants to make that money so bad that he'll just sit there and stay there for it. And it's, I just love mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And, they don't even have to say and anything. And he's also for trying it. to get a boat for Assad that can, like, shoot refugees out of the water. Exactly. See, Alex, yeah, yeah like, I that's wonder. Great. Yeah, that's great. Or, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, no, yeah. I, I, well, I wonder kind of to this point. So you, you were saying that you don't feel like maybe in some of those scenes he's giving people enough rope to hang themselves. I wonder if that isn't too, like, linear of a way of thinking, that it goes from one direction to the other direction, that it's him putting it out and then they hang themselves rather than the thing that I think that is so interesting about Sasha Baron Cohen even in those scenes that you think fall flat because the people don't hang themselves even when Bernie Sanders doesn't hang himself or himself or that conservative family don't hang themselves with the NPR like uber super cliche liberal guy um over the top stereotype let's say uh I think the reason that for me that those are still interesting is because there's no position of neutrality there's no position that that it starts from and then it moves out from. It's like it's always in media res. It's always moving. It's like a parallax type of thing. And so it isn't unidirectional. So even if he doesn't give enough rope for the other people to hang themselves, his stereotype is still being hung. If we can, I don't, or hanged, I guess. Um, if we can use that metaphor, I don't yeah. know if that presses it too far. Does that make yeah. sense? 
Yeah, it, no, it, does. it does. He's still painting a picture of a ridiculous, say, anti-Semite for Borat or uh, uh, a guy who's liberal who lets his wife fuck dolphins. Uh, I, I, I get that. I don't know why. It just doesn't resonate with me as much. But sometimes humor just falls flat, I guess, you know, like if you're trying to create that point of tension and sometimes it's just, eh, it's just not as tense. Yeah, I just, yeah, I still respect it. Again, it just doesn't give me the chuckles. But with that said, Ryan, do we have some mail? Yeah, we do. All right, let's go to the mailbag, everybody. How, Here we go. How do people mail Very us? Very nice. They, they mail us by going to... Uh, me- or emailing us at movies at wisecrack.co, right? That's it? Oh. Yeah. Okay. So uh, this first one's on um, our Spirited Away one by Stefan or Steven. Hey, y'all, just wanted to throw in my thoughts on the seemingly identical lessons in the river spirit and no-face consumption arcs. While they're both getting at the the same thing, I don't think it's exactly the same. The difference is about the agent and affected party with regard to consumption in each. The river spirit was corrupted and toxified by the actions of others through no fault of its own, whereas no-face used others to his advantage, corrupting himself in the process. They both ultimately needed help from an outside party, which I think helps drive home the idea of our actions if we aren't careful can corrupt both ourselves and nature the spirit world in very much the same way oh damn i think that's beautiful so i what what do you think austin steven stefan i don't know how it's spelled or 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 how to pronounce it but i think that's fantastic that's that puts in a lot of nice nuance (laughs) on i think what we were talking about but yeah that's really interesting i i really like that what about you ryan well, I definitely remember, like, even, I listened to our podcast on it, and during it, I got confused with the two story arcs. So I, when I read that, I was like, okay, good. I'm not the only person who who mm. kind of mixes those two arcs up because they're both just creatures that eat crazy amounts. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I point yeah, well Yeah, and that really fits into to Miyazaki's concerns, one of which is environmental and the other of which is more, like, human and existential, right? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. All righty. Um, so this one's on Idiocracy uh, by, by uh, Robert. He says, hey, guys, so I figured I could tell you guys why someone who took education courses – Education courses in college hates idiocracy. Aren't all courses in college education courses? <laughs> you know what I mean. But that's besides. <laughs> Basically, there's this idea that every few years you have to rework the standards for things like IQ tests because after a few years they become useless. IQ tests do. Not for the reason that idiocracy would have us believe, though. We as a society are actually getting more and more intelligent as time passes. You are more intelligent than your parents, who are more intelligent than their parents, and so on. This is called the Flynn effect. To me, idiocracy is saying that there is a race of smart humans who are more fit to pass on their genes. And not only is that mildly racist, it also flies in the face of everything I learned in school. It takes a village to raise a child. The other issue I have with this movie is that society is supposed to be anti-intellectual, but honestly, that's not the case at all. If you look at it, everyone has jobs. The jobs that people have are according to their abilities. There's universal health care. They listen to the smartest people when they gave them a solution to their issues, even though it would cost them. And uh, and then they admitted they were wrong when the problem was fixed by the smart guy. Hmm. So what do you have to say about that? 
Don't take it so seriously, dog. <laughs> <laughs> It's a movie, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, but I wasn't like... on the Idiocracy podcast, but Me it's neither. worth mentioning the idea at the beginning of the movie is that dumb people have more babies than smart people. This was like one of the foundational ideas of eugenics. There's even a Supreme Court case about uh, someone with a mental disability where it's like three generations of imbeciles is enough to justify sterilizing them. So that aside, Jesus. but like, yeah, like people are getting smarter and you can even go back uh, I think Steven Pinker, Pinker mentions this in one of his writing books that they found for hundreds, if not thousands of years, records of uh, writers, scribes, teachers complaining about how everyone's becoming illiterate. So, you know, in the 50s, they're like kids these days can't write in the 1900s. They're like kids these days don't know grammar or how to write. Uh, and if you go way, way back, they've seen evidence of this for as long as history can record. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm just curious about the whole notion of smarter and intelligence as some sort of meaningful standard as it is. Like intelligent in what way? Because terms are relative. They mean something in relation to something else or in relation to a task. So you're smart insofar as you can do something or think something or think a certain way or analyze certain things or perform certain tasks. So sure, do we have more accumulated knowledge? Of course. Do we have more nemo-technical devices that store that knowledge? Fucking of course. But at the same time, does that mean that we're more intelligent? I feel like, I don't know, it's all based in this linear notion of unfolding of time that I'm, I'm having a real problem with. And a lot of my research lately, stay tuned if you're curious, my wanky book that no one's ever going to read <laughs> except for four people in a couple of years is going to deal with this. Um, I'll read it all. <laughs> but but I'm, I, just, me, I think that our notions of temporality and this like linear idea that things are moving towards progress is inherently insufficient. And I just, I don't buy it, man. I don't buy it. I think we're, you know, no, we're more intelligent. I agree with I you. I can't track a I, fucking falcon. You know what? And people used to be able to do that. I can't read the stars and navigate. People used to be able to do that. Now, people couldn't read, but maybe they had better, more robust connections with nature. Maybe they had more connections with family. Maybe they had deeper roots in society. So what do we mean by intelligence? I just, I, I'm very skeptical of these terms. You know, some people used to call Forrest Gump stupid, but he used he took the wisdom he learned from mom. <laughs> stupid and is he stupid got, does. Became a a billionaire exactly. Preach. So I agree with you. Apple. So, yeah. No, I mean I work I work at a high school, man, and I'm gonna tell you, like these kids. I mean, they have we have better tools, but I don't think they're doing anything. I mean, they're they're googling shit. Well, we just got more dictionaries now. That's yeah. all it is. We have we have bigger books and more books, but a lot of people aren't reading the books. You know what I'm saying? I think we just have more tools. You don't need to to read it if it's implanted into your brain. There we go. Yeah, but then Matrix. but then that I'm doesn't mean that about we the future. were smarter before because I think that still runs into the same trap. Again, I just think that this idea of of comparing like generations to each other is inherently insufficient. Well, who does that, really? I mean, uh, it's the whole LeBron James, Michael Jordan shit. It <laughs> is, like, dude. It's about basketball. I it is. They're both good. Sports reference. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the real deal with IQs is just to like, like who gets into colleges and stuff, right? It's more yeah. of like an aptitude. Well, who can well, remember right? shit? IQ tests are really dumb. Like, uh, I don't know the specific criticism, but IQ tests is a way to measure intelligence. I think a lot of people have moved away from that. Uh, and then there's like except the for SAT. Donald Trump, he loves it. 
He loves yeah. it as the measure. The SAT is just a test that measures your ability to study for the SAT. So like all these tests are measuring, <laughs> to Austin's Amen. point, it's like specific knowledge. How can you implement that specific knowledge? And how do you even compare, you know, reading the stars uh, and having that very complicated knowledge to being able, like, I'm really good at Googling stuff. So what does that say? Right. <laughs> I, I have I'm one awesome test. At Googling I stuff. have one test I do for everybody to see if they're dumb or not. And I ask them to name three Supreme Court cases. Mm. And if they can't name three oh, Supreme Court cases, some people can't do it. Some people can't do it. And I think they're dumb as bricks if they can't Can you name, name all the justices? No. Uh, right, I can have, name a lot of them. Let's have a Supreme Court off after this podcast. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. I'm excited. Let's hear your jurisprudence. Cool. Okay. Um, last one from Aaron. <laughs> last one from Aaron here. Uh, about our matrix. We've got a lot of good matrix emails. Oh, this God, is just really? another good Still one. matrix? Yeah. Keep them um, coming. I wanted to add a few more thoughts on how both sides of the political divide can gain inspiration from these films. The heart of every political group is the desire to be free. The problem is that we all want freedom to do different things, so we often get in each other's way. One may want the freedom to have a peaceful picnic in the park, but another, but another may want the freedom to run through that park naked, screaming down with the pantsriarchy. So the, his words. So the only way to really be free is to force everyone to be just like you vis-a-vis Agent Smith. Or you can strive to be an individual, in this case, the one, Neo. This is where I see a lot of the red pill coming from. It's all about the individual versus the collective, like Ayn Rand or Jordan Peterson. I also see a lot of parallels between The Matrix and Simple Rick Wafer's Freedom Edition. But that might be crossing the streams. Okay. So, what do you all have to say about freedom? Can I start in the Matrix? Yes, go for it, Alex. Well, I first of all, I think the ability of both sides to claim the Matrix as their own is proof that nothing. This is where I get really nihilist and like, see, you can try to say one thing and people will read it as the exact opposite. And I don't think it, we're arguing about numbers, Ryan. But that's fine. I'll move on. The second thing <laughs> is, you know. Freedom in general is a interesting and complicated problem in political science, something that I studied, because if you have freedom to do things, it infringes on the abilities of others. Let's say I want to throw a bunch of toxic waste in the river. That is my God-given right, but then other people can't use that river. So just to say, like, to make it as simple as the individual versus collective is kind of dumb, right? Because we can all imagine actions as an individual that would inhibit the ability of other people to exercise their freedom, like dumping toxic waste, like punching people in the face, et cetera, et cetera. So, and then on the collective, of course, you know, uh, you see the extreme of that in your sort of totalitarian government. Um, So I would say that this very simple dichotomy is bad. Well, wait, are you equating freedom with just the freedom to do anything you want, kind of like he's saying? Well, like, I mean, there's a million different definitions of freedom. But but I think, like, to be an individual, trench coat Jesus, Neo kind of stuff, I think that's kind of what he's celebrating, right? Because we don't see Neo, obviously, for reasons of making a coherent plot of using his powers to, you know, exercise his freedom in ways that inhibit others. Hmm. Gotcha. Austin? Hold up. Neo is Jesus? <laughs> yeah, he's trench coat Jesus. Come on. Get with the program. Um, yeah. So there's, int- so there's a, a political economist by the name of Carl Polanyi who talks about this double movement that you get in, in sort of uh, socioeconomic systems between like market freedom and then social protections. And then this woman, Nancy Fraser, comes along recently. She's an amazing cultural philosopher at, at the moment. And I had she- class with her. You did. 
I, I love me some Nancy Fraser. Um, and she talks about how, oh, there's like a third movement that we need to consider and it's freedom. And I actually I, – I think what she's trying to get at and even though I don't necessarily love her formulation of it, even though I think she's phenomenal, um, I think the point is, is that actually market freedom is still about freedom and social protection is about freedom as well. It's about f- being free from the exploitative tendencies of a small minority. And again, as I said a minute ago – when I was talking about like this shifting landscape regarding intelligence, I think freedom too is one of those weird complex shifting landscapes where freedom only exists within a context in relation to some other thing that you are either free from, from or free for or free in uh, in consideration with. So I don't know, man. I, I, I tend to think that I agree with – what was the person's name that wrote this? Um, Aaron. Aaron. I, I tend to agree with Aaron that freedom is – a, a sort of bedrock concern for all people of the political aisle. It's just trying to figure out what the fuck do we mean by freedom. And I think it's a lot more – it's more complicated than we tend to understand. Like Isaiah Berlin is a really famous uh, thinker on freedom for people that might want to research positive freedom and neg- negative freedom or positive liberty and negative liberty. So if people are interested in exploring this further, I would say go check out Isaiah Berlin and his notion of these two different notions of freedom. It's a fucking sticky subject, but I do tend to agree because I – I've spent a lot of time studying existentialism, and I do kind of love this idea that that like the spark of life is is like creation or uh, or some notion that we would think of as being freedom. But what does it mean when you're thrown into conditions that are not of your own choosing? That's where it gets complicated. All right, we're gonna close it up today. Thank you so much for listening. If anyone would like to find Ryan on the internet, Ryan, where can they find you? Man, I just released this kick-ass video today about my Burning Man oh, trip. I want to see it's called it. Ryan's 2018 Burning Man video. And, you know, I went through hell looking for a ticket. And then, you know, while I was there, I hung out with Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg. And uh, we did a, you know, went to the Orgy Dome. It's all in the video. You just got to watch it. Um, uh, he had me going for a second. I was like, what? <laughs> watch the video. The it happened, dome. man. Watch it. Ryan's, yeah. And that's on Ryan's shorts on YouTube and Facebook, man. Subscribe, baby. Where can we find you, Alec? No, I want to know where we can find Greg. Fuck me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, fuck hey, you. You can what find you, me on Twitter at Greg the Grouch, our Instagram at Greg Comedy, and um, my website at gregcomedy.com. And you can also check him out on season one of Corporate. No doubt. When's hey, that coming hey. out, man? Oh, yeah. It's already been. I'm like, if you blink. You won't see me. Oh no! I, I, I know. I know it already came out. But is it like on DVD or anything yet? Oh, I think it is on DVD. Uh, Hell yeah! Or at least you can um, rent the whole series on YouTube. All right, and then I'll I won't blink the whole time. Don't blink, please. Don't keep them open. <laughs> keep them open. What are you, Austin? Uh, yeah, you, you can hit me up on Twitter, Austin underscore Hayden. I do a philosophy podcast called Owls at Dawn, where we talk about all kinds of like contemporary shit. Also, do some deep dives into philosophy, and then sometimes we just bullshit as well. So you can check that out. And you can find me at WisecrackAlec on Twitter. Wah, wah, wee, wah, good day. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye from Hollywood, California, my wife. Betty Knives. Later.